Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is an interview that I did with Ralph Suquet. It was a long time ago. It was at uh, the Predator World 10 Ball Championships, and I'm just now uh, getting around to uploading it, uh, and that is because I wanted to space everything out properly, and we've been having a decent amount of podcasts since then. So uh, this is going to be that interview that I did. If you follow the Facebook page, you would have already seen this, and you possibly could have already watched this. Uh, same with the YouTube channel, but uh, for everybody else out there who gets their fix through any of the podcast apps, this is now going to be released to you as well. So before we jump into that, let's get uh, the stuff out of the way in the beginning. This podcast is going to be released on Friday the 15th of October, and that is basically going to be one of the last days that you can head over to manscaped.com and use code QITUPPOD to get yourself 20% off a Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 and free shipping in anywhere in the world. So uh, this is going to be a huge support to the podcast as far as actually getting us some revenue uh, from ad money. And this is going to be outside money. So this is this is it. And you have basically through the weekend. So you have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, if you're hearing this by then, to basically head over there and get that. The link is also going to be in the description of the podcast. Like I said, I actually use this on my face. It gives me the perfect length for what seven beard hairs I have. So uh, I very much enjoy it for that. It works extremely well for that. And, well, I guess it works for anything that you need it to. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. All right, so uh, with that out of the way, uh, please give it some thought, and if you happen to do so, please make sure to tag the podcast whenever you get it. It's a super fun slash awkward thing to do, and it lets us know who you are, uh, who supports the podcast, and you know we always have special treatment for those who support the podcast, and we remember everything. Just kidding, but kind of not also. All right, with that out of the way, we can get right into this podcast with Ralph Suke. I'm a real deal. I'll shoot your liver out and hand it to you. All right, anybody who's tuning in, please let us know that you can hear us. We are here with Ralph Suquet. Ralph, how's it going? Pretty good, Nate. So uh, hopefully this is going to work out. Uh, let us know right away when you're tuning in. If you can hear us, you can just talk for a minute or two for people to get in here. So uh, Ralph, you're here for the, uh, I guess, the sequence of a tournament. We have the Diamond Las Vegas Open. We have the Predator World 10 Ball. We're down to the final 16 in the, the Predator 10 Ball. Unfortunately, you're here with me instead of out there hitting right now. But uh, how, how did you feel about the trip so far? Well, obviously, I had more successful trips in the, in the past, but uh, I was actually not going that bad. I mean, basically, coming out of a, yeah, I shouldn't say break because you know, we, we had some events already, but uh, yeah, it's still, I still feel like I'm, I'm not really in the competition completely because practicing every day is not the same than uh, being in competition. You need the, the pressure, you need the you need the, the punishment if you make a mistake at the table, and uh, when you practice, that's not going to happen. So, but slowly it's uh, starting. We had a couple of uh, European ranking events so far, and now you know the, the three events over here in the U.S. 
which didn't make uh, things easy because uh, coming from Germany, being uh, obviously uh, one of the Schengen countries, uh, it's not that easy to actually get to the United States. So I had to go for two weeks to Turkey uh, in order to be able to actually enter the United States. Yeah, it was. And uh, they were strict on that too. I heard uh, Josh Josh Filler actually had to stay one more day in Turkey. Like he tried to leave after 13 and they're like, no, you can't do it. Yeah, well, I, I guess they were in Turkey for 14 days, but uh, I guess their uh, arriving flight from Germany to Turkey was right before midnight or oh, no. right borderline. And I guess they their passports were stamped with the next day already. So maybe like five minutes after midnight or whatever it was. So you said you're here for three events. Uh, obviously, the Diamond Las Vegas Open and the Predator World Fenwell. Uh, I have to assume the third is, of course, the U.S. Open. Yeah, correct. And how do you feel for that one? How are you feeling going into that tournament? Well, I mean, I, you know, I played all right both tournaments here. So, I mean, if I would have played perfect, obviously, uh, I still would have been in the event. Can you check this on Facebook. But uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't play. You know, well enough to, to make it further. I mean, I finished ninth in the Las Vegas Open. Uh, lost in a shootout to... Um, uh, who did I lose to? Uh, good question. It's already been a week ago. Omar <laughs> al Shahid. How good is he uh, playing right now? Yeah, he's, he's playing great. But again, in the shootout, uh, we both missed uh, some of the... It wasn't a spot shot, but let, let's call it a, a spot shot. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I, while practicing, I probably made like 99 out of 100. Uh, but uh, in the competition, I missed three out of six. So oh no! <laughs> that didn't really help. Yeah. But, yeah well. Sort of, so I said, since we're kind of on that topic, what do you think of that format? Um, it's a very different format, probably, than you've ever played, right? Yeah. Um, it always has two sides of the medal. I kind of like it, and I kind of hate it. <laughs> And it probably depends on whether you win or well, not. Well, no. No, in fact, I, I actually like it because I mean, we've been playing regular tournaments for, I mean, I've been playing them over 40 years. Already. And the sport, for some reason, has not really grown to where it could be, you know, if you compare it to other sports. So I think a change of performance may help to get the game to, to another, or to the next level. You like it in a broad sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to make it exciting for the fans, for the spectators, for the people that are not in the sport. And of course, being a professional, I would rather play Race of 21 because then usually the, the better player or the favorite probably is going to come out on the, the good side. When you have short races and different formats, that obviously makes it uh, different. Uh, also, you know, not say lower class players, but you know, mediocre players could actually, you know, yeah. get you in danger. And, uh, yeah. So I, I kind of like the format, even though it's, it's not always good for the, for the better players. 
but you know, the stats in the future will show if the top players will always get through or not. And of course, uh, I mean, it, it's really exciting for the fans getting to see that shootout. I would like to see, personally, I would like to see maybe a, a series of shots, maybe instead of the same shot over and over again. But yep, it's exciting. I mean, that's what uh, Darren Apple did with the World Series. I think they had five different shots, if I remember correct. At least they had, you know, different positions, different shots. And uh, yeah, that was uh, probably more exciting. Or better for the game, uh, even though I wasn't a big fan of the super tight pockets. Not that I'm afraid of tight pockets, but when the pockets are getting too tight, then you have to change your game. There are certain yeah. shots that you actually can't play no more. And you know, if I would like to play snooker, then uh, that's what I would have chosen a yeah. long time ago. And uh, pool is a game where you have to play with the size of the pocket actually to create angles. Because snooker is just a different game. Yeah, and it's—I uh, mean—part of the artistry is being able to do that, right? Being able Correct, to, yeah. to play those shots, yeah. and that's why, you know, somebody like Judd Trump coming over for the U.S. Open, you know, that's that's an interesting thing to watch. Is yeah. you know how well is he at cheating the pockets, and you know how well is he knowing those shots work? Well, I, I don't know what to expect. Stuff, right? I mean, he's definitely one of the best snooker players out there, no yeah. doubt. And the past has shown that uh, some of the Snooker pros like Tony Grego, like Roger Sullivan, you know, they are capable of, of playing and doing damage, you know. But let's see, I mean, I've, I've never seen Judd playing pool, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. If you ended up drawing him, how do you think you'd feel? I think playing crap shooter, you think you'd have a. You, you no, think I, you'd I, like would, draw? I would love to play him, yeah. feel good about it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, was it somebody, it's a Jim Telford. Project, projected that he'd probably be like a 730, 740 target. Yeah, it's a little low, but at the same time, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's very hard I mean, to I, I know the Fargo rates, but I don't really know how it works properly. I mean, how you get you know, the status. So, you know, I don't want to really go too deep with, with any numbers. But, um, I mean, he's obviously a great shot maker. Uh, but playing for the first time in nine-ball tournament is going to be different. I don't think that Tony Drago came up in his first event and did uh, a great showing. So it took him a few years actually you know, yeah. to become uh, yeah, a good pool player. Too. And he was a great one. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of, like, I mean, Alex Pagulain right over here, he's playing in a match. Uh, I mean, he was, he started as a snooker player, or he played a lot of snooker in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, Think of too many others like big names. I mean, Mark White dabbled around with it a little bit, right? Yeah, but I, I didn't yeah, I, can't, I, I know Jim Rempe played. I think he actually did a, a few events on the Pro Tour back in the days. I don't know how good he actually finished, but uh, yeah. And then of course Chris Mellon, but yeah, same, well, yeah, same, kind of the same. But, thing but again, you know, I mean, he's been playing pool for uh, I don't know how many years, so, and he has a. I believe also an English pool background, so I mean, it's a different story. When we talk about the British guys that converted into, let's say, American pool, they all have either an English pool background or snooker, but again, when they show up for the very first time, for the very few first events, 
they never had a good choice. Just a different game, different strategy, different story. You just cannot compare it. So uh, let, let's go back to uh, original Ralph CK from uh, when did you actually get into the game? How did you? How were you introduced to the game? Well, I had. I was, uh, I don't know if I was lucky, but uh, my parents used to have a pub with a pool table. I was able to start at the age of six. So I basically, uh, I'm not born on a table, but I, I kind of uh, grew into it from a very young age. And, uh, I guess when you look at uh, most players nowadays, uh, that's that's how their career started. Basically, almost the same. Very young age, and, uh, I was very fascinated by, you know, by the, all the different colors. I actually couldn't reach obviously the table because I was too short. Yeah, to carry around a milk crate to play on. Yeah, some some kind of box. I can't even remember what it was. Yeah. It's been too long. <laughs> so when it, did you fall in love with it immediately, or did it take you a little while? Well, it took me probably about two years, to be honest. But yeah. I mean, basically, I was infected right away. We also had a football table in our pub. That's where I started first, because my dad was also a pretty good football player. So there I started at age five already. I had three, three chairs that I was running back to back. And, uh, yeah, about a year later, I started playing. I'm just, I'm just picturing Ralph Suquet sprinting back and forth on a chair, and it just slides <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no, no pictures are uh, were taken back in the days. <laughs> Forget about videos, you know, because no cell phones uh, existing. And, uh, that, happened, that was that existed once. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Seems, I mean, we like... talk we talking back in '74. You know, I mean, it's not like. Yeah. So when do you remember winning your first pool tournament? That was actually in '81. Yeah, it was it was a big event. I mean, for like, for our region, we had like 180 players. Wow. Obviously, like, me being 12 at the time. Um, you won your first tournament when you were 12 years old. Yep. And again, mostly adults. I don't think there were any. There might have been two, three other juniors or younger people, but then mainly adults. Wow. And uh, how much? Did you make any money for it? No. Back then, we didn't pay for money. We only paid for proceeds and merits. Wow. I have to really think hard well, when, I, when I got my first prize money for it. Yeah, I, say, I don't I even know. Yeah. You could snap off the Euro tours and it still, is, it still seems to be pretty much either. Right? Yeah, well. There's a little bit better. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, yeah. Can't really so we're talking about literally the love of the game. Yeah, of course. I mean, back in the days, you, you travel in Germany three, four hundred kilometers, knowing that you can only win trophies or medals for the you know, for the love of the game, and you know, just for the competition to you know, get better, play against other players. Then, uh, yeah, that's how it works. The word. No prize money at all. We were just shooting for a bigger trophy. <laughs> Finish high. Yeah. Man, 
I think that might be like a cause for the apocalypse if you ask an American player to not play this game for money. <laughs> well, I, I guess nowadays, you know, things are different. If there was no money involved, nobody could even imagine playing for money or the prize money. Then maybe people would still be here and play for, you know, for the pride or for the love of the game. We never know. So uh, that might be one thing why some of the players, uh, I'm not saying having the wrong approach to the game, but it might have been better for them if they would do it for the love of the game instead of trying to maybe hustle or just, you know, trying to make money. Of course, now it's my job. Well, I do not do it just for the love of the game anymore. I have to make a living or I want to make a living. So you want it. That's something that I that I'm doing for 47 years now. And, uh, yeah, it's a different uh, perspective nowadays. So if you could go back to six-year-old Ralph, and you could be, you could have, you could have the same exact career, the same exact life, or you could go pro in any other sport. <laughs> would you still pick pool, or would you pick a different sport? Um, well, I still love the sport, so I probably would go for pool again. I used to be a pretty good soccer player, to be honest. I was in like the... You're a the, midfielder. Yeah, like like in, yeah. in the mid... Uh, <laughs> um, not only in our city, I, w I was in a collection from... Uh, how do you call it? Like from a certain region. Germany. And at some point I had to make a decision because the soccer games and the pool games were at the same time. On a Saturday afternoon, and, uh, I decided to go for pool. Uh, if it was good or not, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, I don't know if I would have become a professional soccer player. If that would have been the case, I would have been a multi-millionaire probably, yeah. having the same results. But you never know. So, uh, but uh, I don't regret it. You know, I mean, uh, I still love what I'm doing, and uh, I probably would, would do the Again, so that's, that's a that's a perfect segue into the question then. What what win are you most proud of in your career? And what do you think was the hardest win that you've ever come across? Like what was the hardest tournament for you to win and which one are you the most proud of? Could be the same. Well most proud of I mean I had lots of wins. Uh, one or two. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the hardest was probably to win the US Open nine ball in two thousand two. Um, not because of the stronger field than others that I've played in, but the, the whole circumstances. I played Alex Pegalein in the finals, and I think it was the first pay-per-view um, tournament in general, and so we were put on the shot clock throughout the match. I mean, at the beginning, I think we had like a three-hour um, time frame where the match had to be finished. If I'm not mistaken, it was race to 13. And, uh, but at the beginning, very firm used to have like high four and all kinds of introductions. So saying that, they already wasted like almost an hour with, with that <laughs> before the final actually started. You got to get a race to 13 in two hours. Yeah. So uh, no breaks. <laughs> so somewhere, I don't know exactly uh, what the score was when they put us first time on the front block. But I think it started at like 35 seconds, maybe 40. I can't even remember. 
remember almost 20 years ago and you know it, it was not looking good that at the time that was uh, set up for us uh, it would be enough to finish the match so then we we put on a shorter shot clock like 30 seconds and 25 i mean at the end we were both sprinting basically making silly mistakes because we didn't have no time at all to even think about what we would do just get there shoot the shot and yeah and luckily i i escaped and i won 13 11 crazy shot and, and yeah that was probably the hardest because of the whole circumstance and obviously you know winning the u.s open diamond for the first time is a, is a big deal oh yeah but i you know i, I won the world championship diamond which was uh, you know tough to well it was tough to win because even though the, in the finals i won level one but i remember um before the match started, or before the tournament started, I was uh, practicing with two or three players on the table and I couldn't make a ball. It was like the pockets were tighter than I was used to and I missed like from 20 shots, I think I missed like 80 or so. Oh. It was horrible. You and, then go to, and then you go to win the tournament. Yeah, I, I felt absolutely horrible going into the event. And, uh, but, you know, game or after match and match, I felt more comfortable. And, and I guess the, the finals was one of the the better, or if not one of the best finals that I played with a lot of runouts. You know, one level one. But I think the, my my best win that I could think of was to win the World Games in 2009. And I played Yang Ping in the finals, and it was uh, in front of his hometown. Was his his base, so to speak, and there were like 2,500 spectators in the arena. And, you know, the World Games, which is like the Olympics for the non-Olympic sports, that's how I call it. Yeah. Uh, it's a very big thing. And, uh, I lost against the same player in, in the finals in 2001 already, in Japan. So having like a revenge match against him uh, eight years later in his, on his turf uh, was just a, a great thing. And with, that many spectators, especially with uh, the whole uh, German delegates from, from all the sports being in the arena, because I think it was the very last discipline of the whole World Games. It was just uh, yeah, something to do. It was really great. And, uh, yeah. Well, guys, guess what? We get to do an awesome. Manscaped dad. I've been waiting for this. You are excited. I can I I'm telling you what, I it's like it's like a three-year-old on Christmas morning just wait just waiting for Pinoza to be able to talk about the lawnmower 4.0. And Melina <laughs> hasn't even smiled since we since he found out that we had to do this. So uh how are you feeling, Melina? Mm. Mm. That's all I got. <laughs> mm. Jim, how are you feeling? I even prepared some before and after pictures that I'll uh, post later on. Yeah, we'll we'll post those to the uh, we'll post those really? to the, the I just, up page. I just want to know what three year old on Christmas is using this. That's what I'm saying. What are you talking? about? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm just talking I'm not, the level I'm of not, excitement. I'm not sure. I'm not no. sure the child reference is really appropriate. <laughs> wow. yeah. Instantly kicked off. It's, yeah, exactly. That's, I, you want to have to do this again, Nate, because you just lost yeah. your sponsorship. <laughs> 
Well, until we lose it, let's talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you, as the viewer, can show your support for the Cue It Up podcast by going to manscaped.com, where you have the opportunity to get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code QITUPPOD. You could get yourself an amazing lawnmower 4.0. And Jim says your balls will thank you. So how do we do this? What is the Manscaped 4.0? The Manscaped 4.0 is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. There it is, Jim. Show it off. Check that Damn. out. Melina's mm. like, it's sweet. Mm. I promise a you, four- you could shave the hair off a balloon with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. We, we tested it. We have, you we can't have buy video. these kind of testimonials. Let me tell you. No. Yeah. <clears throat> the Lawnmower awesome. 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code QITUPPOD at manscaped.com. And that is going to be right in the chat so check it out there and if we get a bunch of these you are going to be able to support us with actual funding for the podcast from manscape so please take the opportunity awesome turn it on jim fly it across the screen loud and proud you didn't turn it on <laughs> oh you did turn it on there it goes look at that light look at that it's even got a light it's even got a light for the dark it's even good you can you can shave in only functional yeah, Bully. you can get to those dark and dirty places without light. It's very good. <laughs> you can you can get everywhere. You can get places you didn't even know you had with that flashlight. <laughs> uh, I don't even know. <laughs> and there you go. There's our ad. Go to manscaped.com and enter in code QITUPPOD to get yourself 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Do it. Trim the hedges. Your ladies Do it. Will thank you. struggle to get 2,500 uh, viewers for the Moscone Cup. That's yeah, Well, but that's because of, you know, limitation of the arena. And, uh, yeah, Taiwan, they, the arena was uh, luckily big enough. Absolutely jam-packed. So is there one is there one tournament in your career that you would look at and be like, that's my great white whale. Like, that was the one that I wanted and I was never able to get. Is there any tournament like that? Well, um, obviously... You've won quite when, a few, so it's <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, when the when the world's pinball came along, I, mean, I think that started in 2010. Sound that sounds pretty cool. Um, that was always something that I wanted to win, and I, you know, my goal still is to, to win it one day. Uh, any world title, to be honest, I wanted to win the world pinball also one more time because I lost it. Uh, Besides winning in 96, I lost twice in the final, 2001 and 2006. So those were probably one of the toughest defeats also. Yeah. 
Yeah, but other than that, uh, I just wanted to be, or oh, I wished that our sport was in the Olympics. Just being part of the Olympics was a dream, but that's obviously not in my hands. You know, it's never going to happen. If I probably. Do you think it's deserving? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's one of the toughest, if not the toughest sport when it comes to you know, the, the mental part. Does it deserve? Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> you know, so we have, we've had this discussion on the podcast several times, and I personally don't think it's deserving because there's, no, there's not enough organization. And, like, there's no. And so. Even if you were to, even if you were to be able to lobby to get it in there, I mean, who is who's the who's the entity in pool that goes to the Olympic Committee and says, "Hey, get up in there." Yeah, you have a point there. Maybe <laughs> Matchroom, maybe, and do they want to? I That's the question. Yeah. I mean, Matchroom yeah. definitely be able to. They'd be be they'd benefit from it. Yeah. To stand up and try to push into the Olympics. If they want to be in the Olympics, I don't know. Because then they may lose power. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they maybe cannot uh, do the events the way they would like. To see the but I don't know. It's hard enough. Yeah. It's hard enough. So uh, we'll uh, we'll ask you this question. So this is this is actually a good one, and I, I don't think you listen to the podcast. You would. Bad audio. Yeah, I, I think Regards. it's. I think well, we got it. I think I turned it up a little. I should be okay. okay. Maybe I'll get a little closer. <laughs> so, uh, you don't. So uh, you probably aren't aware of this, but um, I asked this question to Shane. And are you familiar with the concept of a uh, of Mount Rushmore? No. So Mount Rushmore is basically uh, it's like this this rock formation with all four presidents on the U.S. And basically, people oh, okay. people repurpose it to basically say, who do you think the four greatest of all time are? <laughs> it, it, they're chosen discipline. So Shane Pettibone. His top four of all time, the greatest pool players of all time, was Earl Strickland, himself, Efren Reyes, and you. Okay. He said that, you. That's kind of, kind of him. Yeah. He's like, I got to have a European on there. When like, you know, Darren and Mika and you and Thorsten. And he's like, yeah, I'd go from. Okay, so what is your, kind of what, what would be your top four of all time? Um, it's a tough one. Of course, Efren. He's the GOAT. He is the number one, in my opinion. There's no doubt. Um, but it becomes really, really tough to, you know, I mean... There's a lot of good options, aren't there? Yeah, I mean... I think Mike Siegel would probably be one of them. You know, one of the greatest players of all time. Of course, nowadays when you look at, you know, I mean, Shane is definitely there, there's, there's no doubt. And I would never put myself actually in that category. That's, that's the way how I am, but uh, I would really have a tough time to to name a, a fourth player. So to speak. Too many options. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have Alex Pegaline, who's a very, very strong all-around player. Bustamante. You know, yeah, I mean, Bustamante. You and, you and Bustamante are like the timeless players. Like, he just never get any worse. He, 
Yeah, so it's it's really difficult. So I, I would probably take Boosty. Boosty. Mine, uh, mine is Shane, um, and Efren, and I have Alex because it's just this all-around game is fantastic. And then I'm, I'm kind of stuck on the fourth. But I feel like, you know, there's a huge argument for you. Uh, I, the way I describe your game is you, you never reached the highs, maybe, of, like, the greatest of all time, but your low game was better than anybody. But you didn't play that. You yeah. never played that. You always were just remarkably consistent. Always, you always showed up and gave, you know, pretty much your best game. Yep. Yeah, so it is difficult. It, it, you know, I, 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 Niels could be on there. You could be on there. It's, it's, it gets, it gets tough. It gets yep. all the time. So, is there one player in your career that you played that you just really struggled to beat? You, you, you really grinded with them. You really had a lot of great battles. You, you came out on the wrong side of it most of the time. And then, is there some player? The opposite side that you played with them a whole bunch and you just can't lose. Well, I don't think there's someone that you can't lose to, but uh, let's start with the guy that I had the most Trouble problems with. with. That was Boosty. He lived in Germany for about 12 years, maybe longer. And I would say out of the first 50, I mean, I don't know the exact number, I probably lost like 45 times. <laughs> I really had a tough time you know, beating him. But at one point, I think it was after I beat him in the, in the finals of the BCA Open in Vegas, I, I kind of turned it around and I probably won like the next 25 out of 30. So, but still, I mean, he's, he's way ahead. So let's say we played 100 times, probably more than that. He's still probably up, let's say, 60. So it's tough time beating him. So the fun part is, I really like this question because it really gives you an insight as to like uh, kind of behind the scenes how players interact. And uh, I've asked this question to Shane Ben Boning, you, and Johnny Archer, and all three of you said Boosie. Oh, okay. That's that's kind of I mean, kind of almost three generations of like. Yep. You know, yep. It's uh, it just shows how great of a, a competitor he he is, and, and that's was. why why I mentioned him <laughs> in, the, in the top four. You know. And. Uh, yeah, and on the other side, uh, have very, very good stats against Efren. Efren. I'm way ahead. Wait. I mean, I don't know, again, the exact numbers, but I, I'm, I'm definitely on the good side against Efren. Wow. I, I must be his, uh, what do you call it? Uh, nemesis. Yeah, <laughs> no, not nemesis. Maybe I'll, I'll find the word later. <laughs> there are just certain players that you have don't like to play, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Just have a hard time. It would be that one for him. Yeah. And you always have, like, a, like Darren Appleton loves playing against Shane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you yeah. always have that, right? So uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this question. Is there anybody looking around at this room, some of the younger players? I mean, it's actually incredible how many top, top younger players there are. Mm-hmm. Are there any players that you can look around into this room and be like, that guy has that, that's him. That's the next Ralph's okay. That guy's going to be stuck. Well, um, are we talking about guys that have not won a big one yet, or are we talking about the guys that that's are already... Really How about both? Um, well, obviously, um, I don't think there will be another Ralph's okay, not because I'm special, but when we talk about the, the whole package, the whole behavior or the whole behavior. whatever. <laughs> um, Consummate professional. So that, that's probably different. 
thought. I don't see that yet. Um, but that's talking about the whole, you know, the whole picture. Um, when we just talk about being able to win, I mean, obviously Josh Filler is uh, probably the greatest talent that I have seen since I've been around. There might have been other players too, but you know, I mean, he's won already a lot. Yeah. And he's still super young, big talent, he works hard. So, but when we talk uh, players that have not shown big wins yet, uh, I mean, you have Omar. I mean, yeah. he, he already finished high in some events. I don't think he won a big one yet. I mean, he might have yeah, won I, I here in the States, so. but I'm, I'm talking. I don't know if like he's even won in the States. I, I don't think he's won a big. He, I mean, he's, he's taken second a couple times, but. Uh, yeah. but he's definitely potential. So is the other kids from Saudi Arabia. Um, well, I can't think of his name now. Uh, he's 16 years old, actually, in, in the event. And of course, you have Peter Horst, you know, already won the World Championship. I mean, there, there are lots, lots of young coming players. And also, not to forget uh, another German guy that probably most people don't have on their radar yet, uh, Moritz, Moritz Neuhausen, he's the current World Junior Champion. Oh, okay. And he will be playing in the US Open next week. So. There you go. There's your, uh, see your, dark, your dark horse to do well on that? Well, but to me, he's not a dark horse anymore. I mean, he's a very talented player, well trained in Germany, and he's also, I believe, a sparring partner of Joshua. So okay. they, they used to play for the same club. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely one to look out for. Not many people have on the radar yet. Okay. And Khalid is uh, the, the young guy's uh, name from Saudi Arabia. Yes, yeah. Don't don't name me on the family name now. <laughs> yeah, right. the names are a little difficult. Yes. So. Well, uh, I appreciate you sitting in with me, and uh, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, you got to get some pool time, and you got to go get your tannin on. Sounds like. <laughs> That's my wish. I don't know if the pool is actually open uh, because it's been closed for the last two days. Yeah, I don't know why. Weird reason. The weather, the weather it's is Vegas. gorgeous. It's yeah. Vegas. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there wrong must, about the weather. <laughs> there must have been a cloud somewhere over, like a thousand well, miles maybe, away. Maybe it's too hot, or maybe they have. I don't know. I'm not saying you know. I don't want to jinx anything. They hopefully no COVID problems here within the staff, or I don't know. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that everything is cool and smooth and we can finish the event here. Yes, and the US Open too. Yeah, well, that's obviously in the different states. East Coast, and we're talking five hours away by plane. So. Well, I'll let you get out of here. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for sitting in, and uh, I hope you all enjoyed this at home. I will, uh, until next time, we will catch you later. Thanks, everybody.
everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you've liked what you've heard and you want to contribute to the future content that will be made, consider joining the podcast's Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash up. Becoming a Patreon of the podcast will help to create all of the future content that the podcast will have. Special shout out to Dave Peters, Aaron Taylor, Pete Silsby, Morgan Lupton, Ben Young, Robert Miller, Andy Morse, and Bill Pelham for your generous contributions to the podcast's Patreon. If you ever need any more information on what the Patreon system is or how you can contribute outside of the Patreon, please reach out to the podcast or Nate himself. If you would like to contribute to the podcast for free, consider sharing any podcasts or the podcast page on Facebook itself. Also, leaving a review and a rating if you listen through iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Cue It Up podcast.